Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my co-anchor, sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. I can't believe it's already Wednesday. I kind of had this moment earlier where I'm like, it's Wednesday? Right? This week is flying by. Well, you know, Monday was kind of a holiday. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all confused. I'll just say that. Well, you know, it's okay. <laughs> well, we were, we, last week was so busy, you know, oh. and we missed the psychic hour because we had to go, you know, to Utah for a funeral. And then Friday, Saturday, well, Sunday, Monday, we went camping and <laughs> we, we've been playing too hard. That's the problem. Now we're trying to yeah. catch up. It's time to get serious and get back to work and all that good yeah. stuff. Well, and you know. Little Marky Means is making it easy for us because we um my goodness plenty of stuff to work on for our Wednesday night case updates. <laughs> but before we get there, want to welcome the chatters and it is the case update show. So we'll visit with you guys and update uh, mostly the Vallo case tonight, and then I do have a, a solved case, a, a DNA for the win case to share from 1963 that is nice. very heartwarming. So and, well and heartbreaking. Mm, heartbreaking yeah. heartwarming how's that yeah that's kind of how they always go yeah it? i think so well and i have something to share too but i gotta to pull it up so <laughs> let me just, i will in a minute can i say that well okay you can say that yeah well we want to welcome bianca rj stephanie and everyone else rolling into the chat it's definitely uh yeah, it's hump day, isn't it? <laughs> we took a drive this afternoon. We have some friends in another town who opened a little, uh, like, soda trailer. Mm. And we have been trying all summer to make it out there. And we finally went. So it's this cute little place called Torgalicious. You can't tell mm. from my cup. Mm -hmm. Torgalicious. Yep. In a little teeny town called Mud Lake. <laughs> Sounds like fun, right? Right, Mud Lake, but they, anyway, they have their little trailer, and they're just serving up sodas and stuff, and we went out there and got drinks and said hello. It was really nice to get to just, you know, do that and support their business, and, you know, Sonic, I could take a break from Sonic anytime. Sure, sure, sure. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can share my thing now. Okay, so share your thing now. Yeah. So, you know, we know that the Dave Belvalo case gets very confusing and there's so many episodes yeah. uh, about it. And so we have launched a separate podcast that is only the Dave Belvalo case. Now, we'll be still doing everything here, but we're going to put we're putting things up in chronological order over there. So if you haven't started at the very beginning. um. This is the way to do that. So I'm going to share the link in the chat room. But it is called Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell, The Real Story. And it is out there on um, you know, Spotify. It's mostly on yeah. Spotify right now because it's brand new. I just yeah. shared a link. And it's that we'll just podcast. 
Not video cast, just podcast. Yeah, it's just a podcast. We put it out there. Actually, let me give you this link. No, that is the right link. Okay. So we decided it might make sense to put it out there chronologically. So if you start at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, you will catch yourself all the way up through the entire thing. So Mm -hmm. I know some of you have joined us partway through and, you know, we just thought that might be helpful. So Mm -hmm. it's out there. The only thing it's missing is the case updates. Because yeah, it's not. The, yeah, those you know we throw out together in our live every Wednesday night, and they don't always make the you know into the podcast. So with, there's some case updates that probably you know that, that some of the key stuff probably is in case updates that aren't there. However, most of the big you know the chronological biggies are there. Yeah, all the really important stuff is there beginning with us telling the very first episode, you know, as we have talked about when we talked about in the, in the summary episode about how we came to know about this case and why we started covering it. So anyway, something that we wanted to share with you and uh, just let you know is out there if you're looking for, you know, a way to catch up, because I know we talk about this case a lot. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's how to do it. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, Mark means is that it again. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have any, I don't know how to say it these days. Yeah. Stephanie's not getting the video of our live chat. That's weird. Mm. We're here. On YouTube? It says we're good. We're live on YouTube. Huh. I don't know. Try don't maybe know restarting your your uh, browser yeah. there, Stephanie. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe so. That's odd. But, you know, technology. It's, yes. uh, you know, we, what do we call it? The belligerent turd circus that it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot like the Day Bell case. Yeah. No Let's talk a little bit about Mark Means and what he's up to now. So, as we know, last Thursday there was supposed to be, uh, you know, Mark's day in court to go yell at the judge about why the uh, prosecutor didn't give him the information that he wanted when he wanted it. And, mm-hmm. and he wanted to make the courts pay him thousands of dollars or, or make the prosecutor's office actually pay him thousands of dollars for his time and for his materials. He wanted them to have some kind of a sanction or a smackdown. And he also had all of these requests about everything he wanted to know about uh Oh, oh, about Lori's health care. Remember, he had all of right. his requests that he wanted to basically any pill that entered her mouth. He wanted to know about it. He wanted to know beforehand, who, beforehand. He wanted mm-hmm. to know who she was meeting with, when, why, what, where, how exactly what was said. He wanted to ha- be assured that he would have a personal and private meeting space with her. Ew. While she is in the hospital, all of these things that, as we know, um, the rest of the legal world has laughed their heads off about and gone, what the hell are you talking about? Also, the prosecutor responded to that by calling it inappropriate and absurd, Mm -hmm. agreed on lots of levels. Yeah. And, you know, so that's kind of those were the things they were supposed to go to court and talk about. And then court didn't happen. And everybody was all geared up, you know, because it should have been, who God, who knows, should have been something. Well, we learned after court that he's the one that asked to uh, 
vacate, vacate that and potentially reschedule for a later date. So, well, it was right. It was right after that that Lori was charged in mm -hmm. Arizona for Charles's death. Yeah. And I wonder if he knew that was coming and then he was all, you know, how he gets all uh, spun up and confused and stuff. Maybe. Maybe so. I, I also know. wondered if he was, um, what's the correct way to put this? Well, I wondered if he was that. Uh, actually had yeah had his schedule all screwed up because remember he's been tweeting about representing all of these people that are uh that have been sexually assaulted right. and then he's also representing some people that were in a car accident or something and for mm -hmm. some reason he doesn't need to tweet it out when he has a client uh so that's weird but anyway <laughs> so but at any rate i we don't know why for sure we thought it was really interesting because uh, we're discovering now that Mark has a real pattern of picking fights with the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's, you know, all of the shit that he's pulled on Woods. And right. now here we go. He's now attacking prosecutor Blake the yeah. same way and trying to get her in trouble with the courts. And yeah. when is he going to learn that that is never, ever going to work? No. When? Stephanie, it sounds like um, YouTube is struggling because you are not the only person to have a problem. You might run over to our Facebook page um, and try Facebook and try Live. from there because I bet you can get um, help there. I don't know if she can hear us because. Oh, that's true. Do you want to comment that in the yeah, chat? Yeah, I okay. will comment that. <laughs> JR said, Mark Means is the kind of guy to marry Lori while in prison and be with her until the day she dies. Mark my words. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron said the Mark show. That man's quite a star in his own head, isn't he? And this stupid court TV gave him a little more, uh, you know, clout there since they brought him on as, as an expert. You know, oh, Lord, the guy who's trying what first series of criminal offenses is quite the expert. Uh, anyway, so that's that's what happened last week, and so. We don't know if they'll be back in court on that or not. You know, he, he really wanted a, he wanted $4,500. $4,500 he wanted. Right? He was billing the state for $350 an hour or trying to. And what we have learned from other uh, public defenders is they don't get paid anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. Anywhere yeah. near that per hour. And that is absolutely outrageous. Well, and he was driving here without an appointment. Yeah. So Would you get in your car should that and count? drive for five hours without having an appointment? Just because you sent an email and filled out a form doesn't mean you have an appointment. You have to speak to someone. And so he yeah. knew he didn't have an appointment. He came here on purpose to cause a problem. He did. And just cause a stir and tried it to worked in his mind. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened last week. So come this week, he's got his uh, fingers moving fast again. So he filed a whole bunch of stuff yesterday morning with the court. So he filed three different briefs. One of them is a 
request to move her case out of or, uh, from a different venue out of Fremont County. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that this is so bizarre to me is that Pryor hasn't even done that yet. No. And his case is moving along. Lori's right. stayed. And there's Why a stay. It's like me is just finding stuff to work on. I personally think that he is trying to find things to work on in order to continue to get paid for things while his client is in hospital. Yeah. I think this is about money mm-hmm. because how they can't move her case right now. Mm-hmm. There's a stay. They can't do anything in her case right now. There's a yeah. stay. All of this crap is ridiculous as usual. As usual. Yep. So he filed that first. He says, uh, Basically, he just doesn't believe that she can get a fair and impartial jury trial in Fremont County, which, you know, we figured that was coming. It's just so curious that he did it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, Pryor hasn't even done it yet. And and their trial date's set set for Chad Daybell. So that's just weird. All of it's weird. Well, and then he says he requests a briefing schedule. He keeps asking to go to court and then he can't be at court to allow both parties to submit to the court their memorandums, evidence, list of potential witnesses, if any, in regard to this motion, which, of course, that's going to happen. But uh, again, his case has stayed right now. So why are we even having these conversations? Right. I'm sure the judge is going, dude. Yeah. None of it makes any sense. Right. Settle down. Then he filed. Yay, Stephanie. So glad you made it over on our Facebook page. Oh, good. Ah, like, YouTube. If you can't get to the YouTube live stream, get to the Facebook live stream. That's what we're learning right now. Yeah. Sounds like YouTube's having a tough night. All right. So then he files a reservation of rights and defenses. So he's these are the things that he lists. It comes now defendant Mrs. Lori Daybell by and through her counsel of record, Mark Means of Mark Means Law, and provides notice of reservation of rights pursuant to Rule 12b of the following reason. Lack of jurisdiction over subject matter, lack of jurisdiction over the person, improper venue, insufficient process, insufficiency of service process, failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, any and all other grounds for dismissal, sanctions, or the like. What the hell does that W-T-F, even mean? man. What does any, what is he talking about? It apparently it's basically just something uh puts the court on notice that she's not waiving her right to defense against these charges. Well, she hasn't even been charged with them yet, so this seems a little premature. It does. It's a very strange document to file. Yeah. Yep. So, but again, it does seem like like going through some kind of law workbook that says, (laughs) okay, now you filed this and then you filed this. (laughs) Like, well, Mark, if it says ad libs on the front, you should put it away. Yes. Yeah. Don't be doing any ad libs, nothing like that. Mm -mm. I will say they also any crossword puzzles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Send those right on over to the court. Yeah. Uh, they, these ones do seem to be spelled correctly. So maybe he finally got Grammarly. I don't know. I just think he's got a workbook. I just think he's got a workbook yeah. where it just fills in names. 
My question is um, the, the stuff about jurisdiction. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Uh, the court certainly does have a jurisdiction and so do the police. What the hell are you talking about, dude? Yeah, that's a really like, weird. That's why I think it's like a form because it's got a bunch of stuff in it that does not apply. Mm -hmm. What's he trying to say here? Yeah. Be other than he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that for sure. Mm -hmm. The last thing he filed, do you guys remember back when the uh, grand jury was meeting, he served Melanie Gibb at her hotel with that enormous document of all of those things he was she was supposed to provide to him, including stuff oh, like the God. passwords to her social media accounts and so many things, right? And uh, he gave her five days to have those in his hot little hands, and she didn't do it. And he was pissed, and he asked the court to beat up on her, and they did not. Well, guess what? Someone else has now said no. And that person is Heather Daybell. Yeah. So now he has asked for a declared motion to show cause contempt for failure to comply with lawfully served subpoena on Heather Daybell. He says he has lawfully subpoenaed Heather Daybell to provide to him communications between her and Melanie Gibb. He says these communications are believed to be of the utmost importance and are relevant to this matter, as Ms. Melanie Gibb is the state's witness priority, a witness of priority. Ms. Gibb has refused to comply with the lawfully served subpoena, as evident in the motion to show cause filed previously in this case against Mrs. Gibb, Ms. Gibb. H. Daybell was lawfully served with the attached subpoena as illustrated by attached proof of service said affidavit, H. Daybell has chosen to ignore the rules of law and such should be ordered by this court to show cause as to why she should not be held in contempt. Defendant further moves this court for an award of fees, costs, and sanctions as awarded by law in addressing this contempt behavior by Sheriff Henry. Not sure how Henry got pulled into it, uh, <laughs> now he wants money from Sheriff Henry, though he didn't quite say how or why. I'm not sure why Sheriff Henry would even be included in this conversation. What? Well, and I listened to Scott Reich about this because yeah. sometimes he makes, a, you know, can make a slight amount of sense out of all of this gobbledygook. And he said, mm -hmm. you can't subpoena documents that you don't know actually exist. Right. Yeah. He's fishing. Mm -hmm. and you can't force someone to turn over something that doesn't exist. Like they can't, you know, like how does he know that they're, that that even exists? And, you know, like he's guessing, I think. Right. This is my guess. I think that in all of those gazillion terabytes of shit that he's already received from the prosecutor's office, like, that I mean, he, he ought to just be busying himself with that stuff. Mm -hmm. That he's received some communication between the two of them. That the prosecutor's office gave him. Because remember, he's not doing his own homework, you know. Oh, no. And this is his attempt to do his own homework. I think that he believes that there's more to that conversation than uh, the prosecutor gave him. Um. I think he's trying to trip the prosecutor up here and say that they didn't give him everything. That he knows that these two had a conversation 
and that they didn't give him everything. And look at judge, look at the prosecutor being mean to me again. And look at all the reasons why the prosecutor should be thrown off the case. And this one and that one and every prosecutor in the land because they are all unfair and beating up on Mr. Markey means. That's what I think this is really about. Makes sense. Actually, I feel like he's much less interested in trying his own case and much more interested in trying to find ways to uh, trip up the prosecutor. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's else, what else has he got? Yeah. Although Paula did point out that lack of jurisdiction, well, I suppose earthly courts have no jurisdiction over translated beings and gods. Right. Paula, you got a point there. You got it. There point. is that. Jessica said, do you think he's trying all of this because uh, what he's scared will come out of Chad's trial? I'm sure that's a part of it. But with Mark, it's yeah. always some rabbit hole that something pissed him off and got his attention. You know, we learned this about him a whole year ago now, more than a year mm-hmm. ago, when he went to court with Lori that first time to try to get her bail reduced. And he got completely screwed up over the fact that he thought the prosecutor was being mean to him. And he argued for two hours with the judge about the prosecutor being mean to him. Yep. And, and the and this jail not letting him see his uh uh you know his uh clients and like he he didn't bring one thing to the table that had a thing to do with Lori but we learned mm-hmm. there that he has tunnel vision and he gets stuck on one thing and mm-hmm. he can't focus on the bigger picture and I think that's what we're seeing here over and over oh, and yeah. I still think he's trying to find ways to take the prosecutor down and that that's at the root of what he's asking for here. I think you're right. And the thing is, okay, go ahead and do it. There's another one to step up and continue right. the case. I mean, there the are already going three anywhere. prosecutors involved in this case. Mm-hmm. So uh, good F and luck, Mark Means, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really feel like that's what this is really about. Mark sounds like the middle child. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm the middle child. I think he's the youngest. <laughs> I think he's the youngest because he's really entitled and spoiled no offense to her no offense to our youngest sister if she's listening but no he acts like he just has all these expectations you know and i'm like dude janie says she's fine on youtube you know youtube is sometimes can have out outages that are regional so yeah. it sometimes just depends on where you are but i'm glad that some of you are fine on youtube yeah that's kind of a weird thing to have happen don't usually struggle with YouTube. But. No, it's usually very reliable, but you know, it happens occasionally. You know, Facebook also has outages too. So oh, way more often than YouTube does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's the one thing that happened. That was all of uh, Mark's filing fingers going crazy yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we have all of that now. And so, yes, there will probably be something scheduled. We'll see. I mean, will Mark, you know, be able to come to court? Who knows? I mean, gosh, he seems like a busy dude these days. Very, very important, don't you know? Right. But today there was another big, uh, big piece come out. This came mm-hmm. from Chandler from Maricopa County. Mm-hmm. The Maricopa County attorney announced that they will not be prosecuting Chad for Charles's death. So what happened is that on the same day, that uh, the Chandler PD submitted the charge against uh, Lori. They did the same thing for Chad. And this was clear back on uh, April 1st. Right, yeah. And so they looked over both of them and they said, yeah, we're definitely charging Lori. 
then they did not uh, charge Chad because they said that they feel like their chances of uh, conviction are too low. Yeah. So they only just have some electronic communication Uh sort of vaguely discussing, you know, Charles becoming whoever, you know, these other guy, these other, you know, demons or whatever. And, you know, his, what is it? His death percentage. Yeah. Going down or whatever. But yeah, it didn't look like they had anything definitive where it was. Okay. Today's the day. And here we're going to do blah, blah, blah. It didn't look like that. So. No. So, and, and honestly, they know he's going down in Idaho. They know that there's so many charges piled up on him that he's yeah. never going to see the light of day again. They're not going to waste their money on this. They're no. they are charging Lori. They are going to, you know, wait their turn in line to prosecute Lori. And I'm glad they are because Charles deserves justice and his family deserves justice. They do. Without a doubt. But this makes sense to me. I know some people were very upset by this. I don't think it's a surprise at all. No, you know, with the if you saw um, our first show of the week when we talked about the document that um, Chandler PD released, that was their summary of this case. Um, it, it was pretty clear in there that they were not going to charge him. They just didn't. They just don't have enough. Yeah, you know, they they I think have enough on a couple other people. Yeah, and we'll see if that comes we'll out or. If yeah. they have plea deals to bring down the big kahunas, which they may. I mean, we know that Zulema Pastenis does. And maybe other people that were um, named in that document, maybe they have plea deals as well. Um, because they weren't the people actually physically present when Charles' murder happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, I don't know. I, I'm a little torn. I'm not fully convinced that we will see charges against some of the other players, but I'm still really holding space that we will. Well, I mean, I think anybody involved in this murder ring has, you know, deserves to I just think go down. Oh, I agree. I just think there's some plea deals in place that are going to prevent some of that from happening, but will help to convict Lori and Chad of all of their bullshit. So I think we'll get that, but I, I don't know. I'm just not convinced. I know a lot of people would really like to see Melanie, both Melanie's charged. Now, Melanie Kowalski, mm-hmm. I do think she's going to get charged. I think she is going to get charged with some sort of conspiracy to commit murder for Brandon Boudreaux. I do think she's going to get charged. They're really looking at that. It seems pretty clear. So yeah. we'll see. The other Mel and Salima. I don't think so. I think that they have conditional or, or, you know, some kind of use agreements or plea agreements that are going to prevent them from seeing charges. But I hope I'm wrong. That'd be a happy wrong for me. But I, I know. Me, me also. But I also feel like we're at a point where a lot of them are. This is where we're getting our. Um, this is where we're getting a lot of the information that's coming in. Yes. So. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see uh, what Aaron said about uh, old, uh, little Mark Weensy? Looks like he throws a hissy fit when someone steps on his ego. Yeah, definitely. True. Definitely yeah. true. Well, and, you know, I Scott Reich has brought that up a couple of times recently that what we're seeing, the behavior we're seeing out of Mark and things he's filing and the way he's handling this case 
sounds a whole lot like civil court, you know, mm-hmm. where he's used to being. Right. Uh, not so much like criminal court. Right. That's just the thing. I mean, that's what he... Yeah. yeah. So I do have another uh, uh, DNA for the win case to share. Christy, I shared a picture with you. Yeah, I'm trying to share it, but I'm having okay. troubles. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get started. And then if you share it, if you can share it, great. And if you can't, life goes on. But so on July 11th, 1963, in Oregon, investigators found a child, a little boy, fully dressed, wrapped in a blanket that was weighted down with dumbbells in oh, the water. Yeah in the Keene County Reservoir. There were iron weights inside of his quilt. And- Here's his little face. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't uh, think that he would ever be found, you know, or no, they, it was, you know, they thought that it, obviously somebody was trying to completely hide this body forever. Right. But, uh, But he was found. So for nearly 60 years now, they have not known who this kid is. So the Oregon State Police said that the child's body was dressed in high quality clothing, consisting of a red long sleeve shirt, gray corduroy pants, a cloth diaper with blue diaper pins, anklet socks, white uh, jumping jack brand shoes. He was wrapped in a blue colored blanket and a handmade patchwork quilt with red and gingham squares wrapped up tightly in it with uh, dumbbell weights inside of it with him. Mm. So they actually worked the case. It's like, it's been reopened and worked several times because he, you know, this case really grabbed the hearts of a lot of uh, people in law enforcement that wanted to see it solved. Sure. They called it the King Creek toddler case. And of course it eventually did go cold. In 2007, uh, Detective Sergeant Colin Fagan and Special Investigator Jim Tattersall opened it back up. They exhumed the body and did a DNA sample, but they still didn't really have anything. And they, from the DNA sample, the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 09 were able to put together the composite image of his face so that we could at least try to start, you know, identifying this kid. I mean, it's, yeah. at that point, it had been 50 years. Uh, nothing worked. They didn't receive anything. The University of North Texas Center for Human Identification worked on it. Uh, they, te- they did another DNA profile and tested it against a national database. Nothing. In 2018, the Oregon State Police Medical Examiner's Office got a federal grant and they used some of that money to do some DNA techniques on unsolved, unidentified skeletal remain cases. That's what the grant was for. Mm-hmm. So they worked with Parabon Nano Labs. We've heard their name lots of times in the DNA for a win category. We sure have. They worked together in on October 2020. They had a DNA profile that they could use for genealogy DNA, genealogical DNA. Mm -hmm. And so they put it into their system. And a few of the things they knew, 
The child was of Northern European descent, very fair skin, brown eyes, light to brown to light blonde hair. Then they took all of those results into some open source DNA and GED match, and they found relatives. In fact, they found a half brother. Oh my gosh. So here's what they learned. An interview with a possible relative revealed that as a child, he had a younger brother named Stevie with disabilities, born in New Mexico, who lived in Oregon in the early 1960s, but mysteriously vanished from the family with little explanation. One challenging factor for detectives following the lead was that New Mexico's vital records are not publicly available. Records of any children named Stevie or Stephen born in the late 1960s, oh, late 1960 or early 1961 to the mother identified through genetic genealogy now who she has passed were requested. The New Mexico Records Department discovered a birth certificate for Stephen Alexander Crawford born October 2nd, 1960 to the listed mother in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Oh, wow. This is who he was. He was two years old when he died. Yep. So they have finally solved who he was. His name was Stephen or Stevie Crawford. He was loved and missed by his siblings. It sounds like he may have had Down syndrome. Mm. And it was a really emotional thing for the family members who remember this kid, but also know that uh, they were basically gaslighted to pieces by the adults around them to just forget him. But some of the older kids remembered that he uh, existed. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So do you think his parents killed him? Did he die accidentally? I mean, I would think that something nefarious happened for them to hide his body like that. That is a piece of their investigation that's still open. They don't expect to file any charges because essentially, I think they think that whoever killed him is long gone. Yeah, likely dead. But uh, obviously something happened there because somebody wrapped him up with weights in his blanket. If the child dies naturally, the police are called typically. Usually. Yes, involved in some bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, I suspect that, yeah, that he was, uh, that someone overly disciplined him. Yes. Snapped and did something Mm -hmm. terrible to him and then decided to just cover their tracks. Uh, You know, back then it was a little easier to do. Nobody would have been looking for him. Nobody would have been wondering, uh, short of relatives, of course, but they were Mm -hmm. from New Mexico. They were in Oregon. He just, he fell through the cracks. Nobody would have been looking for him to start school. It's just Right. Back then, the records, that as they were, it's how it was. It would be harder now. Ask Lori, you know, it would mm-hmm. be harder now. Uh, but at this, anyway, it's very sad. So, that at least that his siblings know. But his siblings know. And now they can finally, exist and what happened to him. That's so oh, sad. They properly memorialize him and right. recognize that he did live and his life mattered. And yeah. again, his name was Stevie Crawford. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but again, DNA for the wind. Mm-hmm. Way yeah, to we're go. We're just going to keep seeing Paragon Nanolabs. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. 
And for all of the detectives that worked that case, if they're still living, what a huge relief and a joy it must be to at least know that they know who he was now. Yeah. 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 So that is it uh, for our our programming tonight. Diane wanted to know where the name Hiplo came from. So if you're not sure what we're talking about, that is one of the things that Lori, Zulima, Melanie, Chad were calling Charles. So the first uh, demon or zombie, whatever they said that he was uh, possessed by, was uh, named Ned Schneider, or in some documents, Nick Schneider. But Lori in text messages back and forth was calling him Ned. She was calling him Ned to his face. Like she had stopped calling him Charles and was calling him Ned. Yeah. No wonder he thought she had, you know, sprung a leak. You know, I mean, come on. That is so weird. So anyway, then they thought they had gotten rid of Ned and Charles had fallen back in line. Remember, he decided not to divorce Lori. He was busting his ass to try to make this marriage work. He was trying to make it happen. And then he got sassy again and started trying to plan an intervention, which obviously meant that he yet again had another demon. What are the odds? Right. And they called this demon Hiplo. Hiplos. 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 We have searched high and low through, it's not a bit, it's not like a Book of Mormon thing. It's not um, like a Greek mythology thing. It's not Celtic. It's nothing that we can find. We've looked through everything we can think of. So we just made it up. Yeah. We're thinking they just made it up. I mean, uh, you know, First he was <laughs> Ned Schneider and then Hiplos. Like sometimes they have a last time last name and sometimes they don't. Right. <laughs> but he lived lived much longer. He would have been Yabba Dabba Doo or something. Who knows? Right. That's they what uh, PB says is the names they have for these zombies is right out of left field, right? Like yeah. that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Some poor guy out there named Ned Schneider's like, geez, why do you <laughs> my name? You know, Ned Schneider. He already had to be named Ned Schneider, and now this. Right. <laughs> I'm so mean. Anyway. But <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. That's to the best of our knowledge, Diane. That's what that's about. Yeah. No. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's what we've got. So we'll be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is the Psychic Hour, and it is the first show of the month, so it's marching orders. Yeah. That's our favorite show, so we're thrilled about it. So we'll be here, same place, same time, different thing. How's that? So thank you guys so much for being here with us. If you have not checked out our cases this week, we have had some doozies. Doozies. So we, on Monday, we released the Chandler Police Bombshell Show, talking Mm -hmm. about that big document that came out last week and Hiplos and all of that other stuff around Charles's death. On Tuesday, we released the Lamanite Placement Program of the Mormon Church. Uh, This is the program that the Mormon Church ran from 1948 to 2000, uh, bringing in uh, Native American foster children to uh, educate them and uh, churchify them. Yes. Assimilate them into white culture. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I'm a little 
surprised. I thought we might get more pushback from that show. I mean, we really haven't. And that's okay. A lot of people were like, I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. I'm glad that we could uh, bring Occasionally that in the past, when we said some uncomfortable things about the church, we had some uh, people come at us, uh, you know, with uh, both barrels. But that hasn't happened with this episode. And I was a little braced for it, especially after mm-hmm. what, what we just went through with Slab City. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about it much. But, ooh, people have been very mad about Slab City. They've yeah. been either yeah. really mad at us for publishing either of the stories we ran. I don't know if you've noticed, but the second one has been pulled down because, uh, well, we had enough of being threatened. But yeah. uh, the, yeah. uh, but then people were pissed that we pulled the second one down and we're coming at us. Yeah. We can't win. But Damn, we're not we here. To, we don't. <laughs> yeah. We can't make Slab City a better place, a different place, a whatever place. So we have pulled our claws out. All we really wanted to do was shine a light on Poe's death and... Yeah. I hope that it's somehow in some way that his murder was solved and that was it. But anyway, yeah. yikes, like it got ugly and you know, we're not in the business of wanting to get our podcast pulled down because we, uh, you know, made people so mad. So we went ahead and just pulled the episode and, but again, some people have been pretty mad about that. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I thought for sure <laughs> that a limited episode might inflame the masses, but it hasn't. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. But a lot of people, yeah, had no idea that that program existed. So I am really glad we ran it. But mm-hmm. and then, of course, today, the Cassandra Ramirez story broke. This is a story that was uh, sent over to us from a listener and from JR. Yeah. And we were really happy to be able to cover it as well and do a cold yeah. read on it. So that's all of the uh, that's what we've had this week. Really powerful stuff. Really good stuff. So, yeah. Well, Be well, be cool, take good care of yourselves, please. And we'll see you guys back here tomorrow night. This has been another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys.